Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and very warm welcome to another one of our joint evenings with our friends from the Spiritist Society of Bournemouth and their very illustrious guest tonight, Dr. Tanya. Dr. Tanya, wonderful to see you, my lady. Nice Fabrizio, and thank you. Fabrizio, over to you, sir. Good evening, everybody. It's <clears> great <throat> to have you join with us. I'm Fabrizio Sunson from the Spiritist Society of Bournemouth. I'm very pleased to join once again with Florence Saville from the Pool Christian Spiritualist Church. We warmly welcome you tonight to another of our online broadcasts together. I'm so pleased also to welcome our guest speaker, Dr. Dania Stevening. Dania has a doctorate in microbiology and a diploma in psychology. Dr. Tania has been working on the last 10 years with the National Health Service, helping to treat people who are battling with drug and alcohol misuse. Tania is also a leader in the spiritism movement in England. She was the first person to bring spiritism to the major northern seat of Sheffield, and she's the co-founder of the Sheffield Spiritist Group. Previously, she worked in London with the Alan Kardec Spiritual Center. I would like to say a few words of introduction about the Spiritist Society of Bournemouth. The Society runs a full program of studies of Spiritist teaching on several days every week. This teaching revealed by the spirits to the famous 19th century French writer Alan Kardec, show us that every person's spirit is immortal and show how each of us can grow spiritually. We are an open group, so anybody can join us. Until the current lockdown, we had our meetings in Bournemouth. But during the current lockdown, we studied together online. If you'd like to know any more information about our studies, please contact me on our Facebook page. Before I hand over to Tanya, let us go first to Lawrence, who will lead us in our opening prayer. Over to you, Lawrence. Thank you very much, Fabrizio. And now, if we could just still our minds, just for this short time, and reach out and reach within to that God of our own understanding. And we'd ask, Divine and Infinite Spirit, we reach out to you, seeking help, guidance, and comfort. But most of all, that strength, that knowledge, and the ways ahead made clear to help us through this time, not only to help ourselves, but to help all those who cross our path, be they friend or foe, for all is one, and we are all spirit, so we should stand united in that one single truth that we are beings of light who have lived forever and shall live forever. And there is no difference, no caste or creed, no sex, religion or politics, just one energy existing timelessly through eternity. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lawrence. So, um, I now hand it over to Dr. Tani Stephanie for her talk on mental health and mediumship. Over to you, Tani. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I would like to say thank you for the invitation to give this presentation. And it's a huge privilege to be part of this uh, this initiative, which I think, you know, the, the pandemic has opened up new possibilities rather than closed. And that's a, a good way in which we can see very clearly how God works in mysterious ways, always to lead us onwards and forwards in our um, life discoveries. So I'd like to start with the first slide, please. And this slide is a quote from the gospel in which Jesus is dealing with some spiritual uh, influences. And the quote says, Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. That's from Luke. 
this is a very important quote because it kind of illustrates how Jesus was very aware that we could be influenced by spirits and how spirits could affect our lives in many different ways. So I work with mental health and I'm a spiritist and I find that the two things are very closely linked because in, when we deal with people undergoing mental health issues, it's impossible not to see the influence that some people may be under in terms of the spiritual attachments and even obsessions as we call it in spiritism. So next slide, please. So I want to talk a little bit about the disease model, because the disease model is the model in which our um, NHS, our physical health uh, doctors, they approach. It's the model that, you know, the health model that our society works with. And in the disease model, disease is seen as the consequence of physical causes. A lot of the times those causes are identified as being linked with uh, dysfunctions in brain function, in hormonal production, genetic dysfunctions, but it's mostly considered as a physical problem. And then there is the set of symptoms that identify the specific diseases. And when we go to the GP, we go with a list of complaints, where it hurts, where the discomforts are, and they try to identify what the disease is. They might need to ask for tests, but it's all based on what we are physically feeling. And the aim is to identify the cause of the disease, what is causing the symptoms, and then identify the necessary treatments, medications to alleviate the symptoms. And the disease may or may not be a part of someone's entire life. So there are some diseases that can be cured, and there are many what they call diseases, especially uh, dysfunctions of the mind, of the mood that cannot be cured but needs to be managed. So, but unfortunately, when most of us go to the doctor, and I see that all the time amongst the people that I work with, they come to us because they want a, a quick fix, they want a cure, they want some education, they want something to take the pain away, to take the discomfort away because they are very, you know, based on this materialistic model of illness. You know, if there is an illness, there is a cause, there must be a medication, some, some pills that a doctor can give us to take that away. But that's not always the possibility. So if you could pass on the next slide, please. So the spiritual model sees illness, disease, dysfunctions in a more broader sense. It expands the boundaries of the physical constitution and see disease as all morbid processes that are essentially mental processes. Mental here not in the sense that it's a brain dysfunction, it's a hormonal dysfunction, but here we talk about the mind in a much uh, bigger context. So it's not just the physical apparatus that we call the brain, but the spiritual aspect as well. So the mind is the thinking, feeling part of us. And this process involves all our experiences, not just physical, biological experiences, but our experiences in terms of how we interact with our families, our culture, our society, as well as the spiritual experiences. And spiritual experiences, not just of this present life, but of past lives as well, needs to be taken into account because we know that we come with a baggage that we might not remember, but will affect even our physical constitution. And this emotional, mental, social, cultural, even physical baggage will be metabolized and integrated by our spirit.
So for the spiritualist approach, health is the soul in a state of perfect harmony. And that can only be achieved gradually. So it's not something that can be fixed with magic quickly, with a pill, with some medication, but something that we have to work towards achieving. And it's through our experiences acquired in successive reincarnations, successive lives, including the present life, that we eventually achieve this state of perfect harmony in terms of our thinking, our way of feeling, and our behavior as well. So if I could have the next slide, please. So the material, going back to the materialistic model, it sees the body as a machine where there is a flow of information. So from the brain, that the neurons that produces the chemical triggers to the production of hormones, to the activation or not of certain genes that makes our body work. And that then acts on the muscles and every part of our body. And if the machine is faulty, then we need to fix the fault so that the machine can function properly. But it doesn't take into account nowadays, thank goodness, uh, things are improving and more and more people are becoming aware that we are not just a machine, that the mind is likely to be something different from the brain. Because there are many, many studies that show that even people with certain brain damage, other parts of the brain compensate for the damage. So there is some driving force that is rebalancing what is faulty, but they don't quite know what it is. But at least now, doctors, scientists are beginning to ask the right questions. So if I could have the next slide, please. The spiritist model sees the human complex, uh, and this is a summary of what it in reality is, but for the purpose of this talk, the human complex is composed of the body, and we are all familiar with that, as we have one. The perispirit, and this is a term that I'm not sure all of you will be familiar with, uh, many even spiritists, people who follow the spiritist teachings find the concept of perispirits one that's difficult to comprehend. So the perispirit is, in a nutshell, the fluidic envelope, is the connection between the physical body and the spirit. The physical body being composed of more materialized gross matter and the spirit being of a quintessential matter that is completely different from the matter that our physical bodies are composed of. It needs an intermediary. It needs something that links the two. It's a little bit like uh, we could say uh, as an analogy, electricity in terms of the computer that we're using now. We have the physical machine, the computer itself. We have the software, which is the, the memory, the life of the computer that allows us to do the things we do with it, allows us to have this conversation now, have this presentation, but we need something that links the two. And electricity is what links the two, is what makes the machine connect with the software and allows it to work and function in the way we want it to function. And the spirit, the spirit is who we truly are. The real us is the thinking, feeling part of us. And the spirit is the main part of this complex because it is the spirit that will influence the perispirit that will influence the body. There is influence the other way around as well. But if the spirit is in harmony with itself, then the body is more likely to be healthy and in harmony as well, even when we are facing challenges. So we know many examples, any one of us will know examples of people who suffer great challenges, uh, who are disabled 
disabled, who have mental health issues, but deal with life in a very positive way. And we know people who, despite apparently having everything, being very lucky, find it very hard to cope with life and even develop mental health issues because of this difficulty that they have to cope with everyday life, which most people would not have a problem with. If I could have the next slide, please. Thank you. So I'm going to move now to the topic of mediumship because mediumship and mental illness is very closely linked. So if we look at the symptoms of mediumship, and I'm not talking here about disturbed mediumship yet, I'm just talking about mediumship. So mediumship, according to spiritism, is a, an organic faculty. So our bodies need to be built in a certain way as to be able to connect to ampli to expand our mental psychic capacities to be able to perceive a different dimension the spiritual dimension and mediumship in spiritism is the ability that some people have to connect with the spiritual dimension in a more systematic way, in a more coherent way. We are all psychic beings. We all have intuition. We all have dreams. We all connect with the spiritual life in one way or another because we are all spirit. But mediumship as such is someone who is able to really hear spirits who do not have a physical body, uh, see them, communicate with them, uh, allow ourselves to become their channel for communication with others through psychography. So we are using the term mediumship here in a broader sense. But some of the symptoms of mediumship, especially at the initial development of mediumship, and when mediumship is slightly disturbed, uh, is sleep disturbances, anxieties, phobias, hearing voices, seeing things that other people cannot see. All of this are associated with mental disturbances. So if I go to my GP and I tell my GP that I have uh, some voices that I hear in my head or outside myself that tell me things, immediately they are going to class this as auditory hallucinations and they'll start thinking about what medications or treatments they could provide me to stop that from happening and most people go to their gps because they want that to happen they want the voices to stop they want to stop seeing things or hearing things unfortunately if they are mediums that's not possible because this is part of who they are and then they will be classed for the rest of that incarnation as mentally disturbed often have their physical bodies and their minds greatly damaged by some of the treatments used i'm not against treatment and i need to stress this here because medication can be a godsend a lot of the times, especially when people dealing with people who have no understanding of the spiritual life and want some help. So I'm not against medication, but what I would like to see is more open-mindedness, where the possibility that those voices are not just someone's imagination or hallucinations, but there is a, a real aspect to them when my clients come to me and they say that they are hearing people i usually ask them what do they say is there any voices telling you good things and i i have a more coherent conversation with them that doesn't make them feel that they're being labeled as crazy they're just being accepted for who they are they're being taken seriously and i think you know this is something that we still lack in in our magical model can i have the next one please so now I'm going to move a little bit more towards obsession and mental health problems. So what causes mental health problems? There are two main causes for mental health disturbances. There is a physical imbalance, and sometimes it is hormonal, genetic, brain damage that can cause uh, mental health issues, learning difficulties, cognitive impairments, but 
there is also the spiritual aspect. And I would like to encourage you to consider the question there, you know, does everyone want to be cured? And this is an interesting question, which I had to come across a lot in my line of work, because what I find is that sometimes people have lived with the problem for such a long time that being cured, being becoming normal, when normal is something so alien to, the, to them, is not necessarily comfortable. But I'll just leave the question there for the moment because we are going to go a little bit deeper into that. So next one, please. So how obsession or spiritual attachment, spiritual attachment here being used in a more negative way, because I need to just stress here at this point that all of us are influenced by spirits. We are all guided and protected by our spiritual benefactors, by our spiritual guardians. We are all, during the preparation for a new incarnation, we are assigned a team of benefactors that work very hard to help us through the process of incarnation and through our lives every single minute of our lives. So we are never alone. We are always surrounded by people who really care about us, who really want us to succeed, who really want us to be happy. So when we talk about spiritual attachment, often we use it in a negative way. But if we can lift ourselves and connect ourselves to our spiritual benefactors, more and be more attached to them, then this is an attachment we want in our lives. However, having said that, we have a past and in our past, we didn't always get things right. We sometimes made the wrong type of friends and when they find us in an incarnation where they have more direct access to us, then they might try to influence us in a negative way. And they will do that in many different ways. So, um, the things that kind of lead in one in, the, in our present incarnation to the wrong type of spiritual attachment and even the development of an obsession, which is a more intense and long-term issue, is our, our negative aptitudes or the negative side of our behavior. So vices, crimes, sexual depravity, excessive attachment to material things, all the things that lower our spiritual energy risks us attracting people who share in those behaviors. So for example, I work with people who have uh, problems with drinking and drugs. I remember once a few years ago when I was starting this work, I saw a gentleman who, a lovely, lovely man, hardworking, marriage, the type of person that if you met anywhere, you would never think he had a problem. And the way he described his drinking to me, was horrendous. He said, I have no control over it. I really, really want not to drink, but something makes me go to the pub and I order four pints together because I don't want my wife to know that I'm drinking like this. And I just drink one after the other and then I go home. And I hide it, but I can't control it. It's a compulsion I cannot control. And as we were discussing the the behavior, you think, you know, someone who drinks that much, that fast, and the four pints was not the first or the last of the day, uh, and he had already had quite a lot to drink when he came to see me, he showed no signs of intoxication whatsoever. And he was telling me, he said, there is a presence that's always with me, forcing me to go to the pub. And it's as if that person is drinking and not me. 
this man didn't have any spiritual beliefs. Um, I'm not even sure if believed in God. So I didn't have that conversation with him. But as a spiritist, I was hearing him. And to me, it was so very clear that someone else was using his body to have that drink. So because he had a tendency to drink a bit more than he should, he attracted others who also liked to have a drink and he was using his physical body to have that drink. These, kind, these cases are very complex because it involves um, a very intimate connection between the medium, which he clearly was, even though he didn't uh, express some of the other symptoms of mediumship, he was normal in any other way, and the spirit that's using his physical constitution. So the initial phase of uh, the development of an obsession, as it states there, is the fluidic intoxication. So the spirit envelops the perispirit of the incarnate person with toxic fluids that creates that connection and also blocks the contact of the medium with their benefactors. So it intoxicates and closes those channels, not completely, but enough for the obsessing spirit to then exert some greater influence. When left unchecked, this can develop into physical symptoms as well, because the perispirit, remember, it's the connection between the spirit and the physical body. So what is affecting the perispirit will be reflected in the physical body. So the person will develop other symptoms. Other, you know, that's when the uh, more chronic depression can develop, chronic anxiety, gastric problems are very common. Even cardiac problems can become problem. Um, respiratory problems can become more prominent as well because of that intoxication. So the body is now being under the influence of more toxic substances and that will affect the cellular structure of the physical body, even to the point where permanent damage can become um, part of the process. So next one, please. Next slide, thank you. So at this point, when that happens, a psychological but also a physiological process of symbiosis takes place as the obsessing spirit energy intertwines so much with the physical, with the medium's energies that it's hard sometimes to tell who is who in the relationship, who's influencing whom. And when tr treating this type of um, patient, it's a long process that takes sometimes a long time because we need to start with a lot, with healing, prayer, lifting up the energy, the spiritual energy of the medium to be able to create uh, an energetic barrier gradually create an energetic barrier between the medium and the obsessing spirit because uh, the, vic the victim or the patient, I prefer to call them patients in this case, they become closely linked with that energy. It's a bit like if you have um, an intoxication, like if you drink too much, it takes time for the body to process those toxins. When we are enveloped by spiritual toxins, it takes time for us to process those toxins and digest them and excrete those toxins to be able to help ourselves. Next one, please. The difficulty when it is a proper spiritual obsession, especially in the cases of um, fascination. I don't know if all of you know, but the, the book, the medium's book, describes the different stages of spiritual attachment. 
then you know we can refer to that but fascination is a process of obsession where the mind is intoxicated the mind is taken over by the the obsessing spirit and the in this process in the initial phases of an obsession can be very subtle because uh, if you think about the description of abuse when i first started studying psychology and i came across the definition of domestic abuse especially uh, emotional control I was surprised because I was already a spiritist. I already had some experience of mediumship. And I thought that it's the same. It's the same way because it can be a subtle start where the abuser pretends to be a friend, says some beautiful things. And gradually, as we give more and more trust to that person, they take more and more control of a way of thinking to the point where others come and say that that's nonsense and we can't see it because now we are completely enveloped by that process. We stop seeing reality for the way it is and the spirit then becomes more controlling, starts in, uh, encouraging us not to listen to those people that are telling us that we are wrong, uh, you know, don't listen to them, go, you know, have another drink because, you know, it makes you happy, helps you to sleep. This is something that I have to battle with my, my patients all the time. I had two today that said, well, I drink because I need to sleep. And, and you try to describe to them that those substances, they are toxic substances. They are not helping you to sleep. They are hindering good quality sleep. And when you're talking about spiritual obsession, it's very similar because you get that whoosh feeling when the spirit approaches initially, and that makes you feel a little bit happy because they come, you know, they praise us. They tell us how wonderful we are, how right we are when other people are so wrong. And that gives us a boost to our self-esteem, to our self-confidence, but they are trying to lure us into a false sense of security where we stop trusting others and only trust them. As the process continues, we begin to internalize the beliefs that belong to other. Brainwashing is a very similar process and we, we know that from recent history where young people have done some terrible things because others told them that that was the way to go to heaven and they were made to believe that the world was wrong and only the person who was telling them how wonderful they were, how special they were, and if they did this terrible act, they would be praised above everybody else and be welcomed into heaven. It's a kind of brainwashing and spiritually that happens as well. And in this case, unfortunately, a lot of the times it happens by people that we can't see, we can't even hear out, out loud because most of us don't have this type of mediumship, but none of us are completely immune to it. So the abuser then goes gradually taking over more and more of the thinking apparatus and even the actions of the other person, even to the point of gradually and eventually taking over their physical actions as well, where they're now, their bodies are now under the influence and the control of the obsessing spirit or the abuser. Next one, please. So how does that happen? Let's think about the brain. This is a random photograph, okay? It's not about uh, mediumship per se, but it just illustrates uh, there's a CAT scan of a brain section. One of them in the depressive state, the one on the, um, I think in your case, would be the left-hand side, and the right-hand side, manic state. And you can see the different areas, the dullness of the depressive brain and the overactivity of the manic brain. So our brains are like a super computer 
linked to an incredibly fast Wi-Fi network. Nowadays, we talk about Wi-Fi and we understand it. It's that thing that helps our computers to connect with the world without even physically being plugged into something. Um, and our brain is like that. So imagine this the most amazing supercomputer that in existence on Earth linked to this very fast Wi-Fi network. And imagine there was a, a few years ago, there was a scandal because they discovered that both in the US and in the UK, people were diverging the, like the intelligence organizations were diverging the internet signals and collecting all the information that went through that without consent. And they did that in a very simple way. There was a cable and they put a mirror there. It's a like, you know, so they created um, bifurcation. So the same signal went through two different channels. And we know that it's possible because we live in a world now where that technology exists. Now, our computer is way better than the physical computers, our brain is incredible. And the spiritual brain, the perispirit is even more so. And we are capable of connecting with very subtle energies that cannot even be yet detected by our technology, but they do exist. So those who know what they are doing, they can interfere with that signal. And they can interfere with that signal by developing, creating depressive signals by dampening the, the brain activity. And they can overexcite the brain activity to create even manic states, anxiety, for example. Next one, please. So to understand how that works, and this is how, you know, about protecting ourselves. So a lot of what I'm saying seems quite depressing perhaps, but this is all about having the knowledge so that we can learn to protect ourselves. So thought originates in the soul. It's the spirit that thinks, okay? And when our thoughts are perturbed, the mind, the spirit, creates magnetic forces that of a toxic nature that are damaging. It's a bit like acid on the skin, let's say. And that can result in alterations even in the physical body. Depending on their nature, if it is our thoughts are good or bad, our mental reflexes will help our progress or keep us in the negative zone where we can attract those like us. So our thoughts, the way we think, determines our behavior. Because our thought, the way we think, determines the way we act. And the way we act and what we are as, as, as ourselves in our inner core determines the type of person that we are and determines the kind of companions we attract. In the same way that happy people usually attract happy friends, depressed people notice more depressing situations. In my work, I always ask people to write a diary because I like to see when they were doing well, because I know for a fact that when they come back and I say, how was your week being? They will be able to describe to me in the minutest details the worst day they had that week. But when I ask them to tell me about their best day, they can't even remember they had one. But if they write down in a diary, I can see that some days they did better than others and I can help them to extract that information again because their thoughts have been so vitiated in the negative pathway that they find, difficult, they find it difficult to remember times when they were happy. One of the exercises I use a lot to help people, especially with depression, is to identify a happy memory 
and take them through that happy memory again when they can remember who they were with, where they were, the texture of things, the smells, the taste, how they felt, how it felt physically to feel that way. And by describing it to me, they relieve that moment because where we, we are, we go where we think. And again, neuroscience now has demonstrated that when we think, we activate the parts of our brain associated with that activity. So if I'm thinking about playing the piano, I activate the part of my brain that would be active if I was really playing the piano. So we can use, if we understand the power of our thoughts, we can use that to our benefit to help us to achieve better in life. So depending on the nature of our thoughts, will be our experiences. So let's bear that in mind, okay? Next one, please. Because every one of us will live in the heaven or the hell of our own creation. And we are responsible for our own heaven and our own hell. And I find that very empowering because if I am responsible for my eventual, you know, the, the little hells I had in my life, the difficulties I had in my life, the, the suffering I have to endure, then I am also responsible and I can achieve the opposite. I can achieve happiness. And that puts the power back with me. So if I notice a negative influence, if I notice that my mind is veering towards depression and anxiety, and I know that my thoughts determine which pathway my mind is going to go, then I can open a new track in my mind that leads to a happier outcome. And this is the important thing. Although we can be influenced by the negative aspects, we can also be influenced by the positive ones, which are much stronger, much more powerful, and if we can connect, if we identify the negative thoughts that lead us to feeling more depressed, more anxious, and connect with the positive, the opposite, thoughts of hope, thoughts of happiness, then we can create our own heaven, even when we are going through difficulties in our lives. Next one, please. Now, this one is very important because... Sometimes, as I was saying a few slides back, we get used to feeling in a certain way, behaving in a certain way. Why is that? Because we've been there for such a long time that we don't know any different. We can, tolerance is uh, an effect known in substance misuse. When you use a substance that you become accustomed, your body become accustomed to, to get the same effect, you need to use more. So that's why some people go from drinking one or two cans of lager per day or a glass of wine every day to drinking a bottle of vodka. Because if they are drinking, if they start drinking because they want to relax and because they want to sleep, then a while later, the body gets used to that level. They stop getting the same effect. So they will double the amount they are drinking and so on and so on until they stop drinking because they want to sleep. But they can only sleep when they drink because now they need to drink to exist. In terms of our mental health, it's a similar way. If I, I can become accustomed to negative thoughts. I, is the glass half empty or half full effect? If for me, I'm always expecting the worst of people, of society, the news is a great example of what thought pattern to avoid. We watch the news these days and every reporter wants to know what the worst case scenario is. They don't care about the reality. They don't care what the most likely situation is. They want to talk about the worst case scenario. They want to talk about the pandemic getting out of hand. They want to talk about hospitals being overwhelmed. It kind of creates a sense of excitation that the mind becomes accustomed to. It's like 
ingesting um, a toxin, ingesting, you know, drinking or using a drug. You get that high. But that high comes with a very problematic low. So we need to be careful with our mental health by being watchful as to what we watch on television, what conversations we have. I've uh, a while back I was getting quite tired all the time. Uh, the office I sit in a shared office, and a lot of people are very unhappy with some of the changes that was taking place. And we had the moaning conversation every day. So. You said hello to someone, oh, it's another Monday, it's going to be horrible, so-and-so is here today, and they're going to make us do this, and they want that. And the, by the end of the day, I was exhausted. And I started paying attention to, to the conversations I was having, and I said, okay, I'm going to stay out of the morning conversations, and I'm going to switch off every time someone, I notice that someone is talking, in a negative way around me. That's not to say that I was going to ignore the problems that need solving. I was just trying to protect my psychic energies so that they were not leached out of me. And I noticed that after a few days, um, when I started talking to, to people who like complaining, and I said, oh, yes, but there is this positive. You know, we managed this yesterday, and we achieved that, and that person did a bit better. Uh, some people didn't want to have that conversation. They, they just wanted to complain about things. They didn't want anyone to show them that there was a positive side to the situation we were living. So it is important to be honest with ourselves and notice when we are doing that. If it is with our friends, a good technique is to use solution-focused approach. And the solution-focused approach is a bit like this. When you start, you know, like you go home and if you notice that you go home after work and you start complaining about the day or your husband or wife or, or son or daughter comes from school complaining about the day, then start a conversation by saying, what was good about your day? What did you enjoy doing today? What made you happy today? And see what they come up with. And it's a very powerful way to switch from the negative talk to the more positive one and find solutions. So another technique that we use a lot is uh, exception talking. So we ask people, when was the last time that you're not as depressed as you are now? When was the last time that you managed a little bit better than you're managing now? So you might be asking me now, you know, what does it have to do with obsession? Because our this, the spirit companions that don't want us to succeed, they will be whispering to us, you are not good enough. That is not good enough. Life is horrible. Everybody's going to die. Look at this pandemic. They are whispering negativity all the time. But if we ask ourselves, okay, what was good about today? I saw that little bird singing on the tree and that made me happy. And I think I remember that little bird and I start hearing that little bird again in my mind. Because remember, our soul go to where our thoughts are. If we place our thoughts in a more positive wavelength, then we'll be able to connect more directly with our benefactors, with the light, with the healing. And that is the way that we lift ourselves and help ourselves out of mental health disturbances and out of spiritual disturbances as well. So the next one, please. So just to summarize, the best way to avoid obsessions or abusive relationships, and here it's not just abuse rela abusive relationships by others towards us, but from us towards ourselves as well. We tend to be our worst critics. When I see some of my patients who have depression, it is so hard for them to accept praise. When I say, well done, you've done well, most of them wings at me. And I say to them, why are you wincing? It is true, you did well. Acknowledge that. 
So we need to move away from this kind of relationships, even if, especially if we notice that we are doing that to ourselves and change our way of thinking and the way we feel. If we notice a negative thought pattern, then we need to ask ourselves, when was the last time that I felt happy, that I felt comfortable? And really relieve that moment. Use that as a technique. I, I, I use a technique that I call the, the bubble or the dome technique. When we feel, especially for people with anxiety, if they are feeling very anxious, I say, create a dome of light around you. And this dome, you're inside the dome, you're inside this bubble. And nothing bad can enter the bubble. Only good things can go out of the bubble and only good things can come into the bubble. So you can protect yourself. But we need to leave the negative thoughts out as well. So if we are inside the bubble trying to protect ourselves, let's remember a place that we loved, a face that we loved, something that we enjoyed, the taste of a food that we liked, and take our minds there. Because as we change our way of thinking, as we improve our way of thinking, we will improve the way we feel and that will create barriers of protection around us. We will start attracting more of the like, more of the positivity, more of the health, more of the good things, the healing. And for that, we need to really work on our pride, selfishness, be more kind, be more forgiving. And forgiveness here, I think we need to remember that Jesus said, do unto others as we want done towards ourselves. So we need to put ourselves in the picture as well, because we can't expect someone else to forgive us if we can't forgive ourselves. So if we catch ourselves behaving in a way that we think is wrong, acknowledge it, forgive, forget, move on, doing the opposite. If I've been, if I've judged harshly a colleague at work, accept that I've done wrong, I will try to be kinder next time. We can't undo what we've done, but we can change, we can use that as lessons to the future. And that will naturally create certain barriers in terms of spiritual attachment as well. When I ask people, are there any voices that are protecting you, that are kind to you? And most of my patients will say yes. They're not all bad. So I say, listen to the ones that are telling you that you are doing okay. Listen to the ones that are telling you not to harm yourself, not to drink that extra drink. Listen to the positive ones. If we can't avoid the ability to hear people, to see people, then let's be more selective in the company that we keep. That goes both for spirits as the incarnates that are around us as well. That's it for me. Thank you very, very much for listening to me. And I don't know if uh, questions are possible, but if they are, I am willing to take questions. Tanya, thank you very much. That is so nice because um, you were talking about two subjects that I'm very passionate about. I have studied a little bit spiritism and I'm very passionate about uh, psychology. And then you bring this and making the connection and making the bridge between those two subjects. I was completely fascinated by it. <laughs> so it's really, really good. So, um, Lawrence, do you want to say anything before we go to questions and answers? Uh, just, yeah, I, I was thoroughly engrossed. Thank you, Dr. Tanya. That was awesome. I've just finished a book called A Wanderer in the Spirit Lands by Francesco. And that actually has, uh, there's a chapter dedicated to uh, what you were talking about. And it was just all meshing in. I was like, oh, this is great. I love this. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So for our friends online, if you want to make a question, um, just drop your question for me on Facebook. We have got some that has popped up here on Facebook. The first one is from Edgy. And I think it's a question about the terminology that we use in Spiritism and they have different terminology. Is, he says, is the perispirit the same as our higher selves? 
Um, I, I, I can't really say yes or no, because uh, unless I know what someone understands as higher selves, it's difficult to answer that question. Because the peri-spirit is not necessarily a better version of us. It is a version of us. It is a more ethereal version of us. But our better selves is really the mind. So the, the positive aspect, what I would say is the better, our higher selves, is the, the positive aspects of our minds rather than the perispirit itself. Good. Um, next question comes from Sue. She says, do you feel that if we are not, live, if we are not fully grounded and earthed into the physical body, this leaves an open space by which these entities enter and become squatters? Does this also apply where the protective aura has been damaged? Does allowing an entry point for entities which might be hanging around, just waiting to find a host through which to feed through and off? I think that's an interesting question because uh, the first half of the question, I would say, if we if we start concentrating too much of our attention in past our past lives, who we were in the past, for example, that could become a problem because then we are not fully living the life that we are living now. So we need to live in the present. In psychology, we use a term called mindfulness, which is about bringing our minds to the present. So grounding ourselves in the moment to be able to cope with anxiety, distress um, and also to to leave because uh, again stressing that our minds we are where our minds are so if we f keep regurgitating in our minds the past problems the fears then we are not in the present in terms of how spirits connect it's not necessarily a physical thing because the spirit the especially the obsessing spirits they will try to influence us. So for example, if I if I have a tendency to gossip, then it it's like whispering uh, ideas for me to gossip. Or look at that person's skirt. Did you see her hairdo? Mention that to someone else. And that opens a door, a connection, which becomes a bit like uh, writing a little software that runs through your our mind that we can repeat. So the and the spirit connects the the discarnate spirits, the good and the not so good, connect perispirit via perispirit. So it's the the subtle spiritual energies that connect. So not necessarily with your physical body, because another spirit does not have total access to our physical body because our perispirit connects with our physical body molecule per molecule at the point of conception. So as the, the sperm and the egg connect, the first link, subtle link with the perispirit connect. And those links are attached to every molecule of our bodies. Now, this is really, really complex. So I don't want, I'm not going to go too much into that. But going back to the to the question, if we don't want to, if we want to try and avoid certain problems that don't, we don't need to go through, then it's about that connection. How am I thinking? At which level are my thoughts? Are my thoughts at the higher level of positivity? Not being blind to problems, but being problem-solving rather than just problem, problem, problem. Um, am I valuing myself? Am I valuing others? Using prayer? Because remember that the same way that the, the dark side can connect with us, if we make an effort to be a little bit better every day, then the light is always there trying to sustain us and support us and protect us so that we can achieve 
our potential in an incarnation. So I'm just going to have another look at the question to see if I've answered it. So yes, you know, concentrate on the today, concentrate on the now, because we can't change what happened in the past. We can learn from the past so that we try not to make mistakes in the future. But if we worry too much about the future, then we are not living the present and we might be making mistakes that we don't need to, or we might be suffering more than we need to. If we think about, you know, there was a comment uh, that's been on the news recently. If I spend all my time worrying that the comment is going to hit the earth, I'm not going to enjoy the beauty that's around me right now. So bring the mind to the reality of today, live today well, so that tomorrow can be a good day as well. Excellent. Now, we have a question again from Sue. This is more mm -hmm. to do with mediumship. She says, mm -hmm. by drinking water when working as a medium, is this feeding the perispirit and thus strengthening the connection to spirit in the spirit realm with spirit in human form? Uh, water is material. Our bodies need water. Water has certain qualities that um, we use in healing, in spiritism. We use water to strengthen healing and also for people to have, because some medication can be, uh, water can become saturated with medication that spirits can use to help us. In terms of mediumship, it doesn't have much value. If you are dehydrated, while you are working as a medium, in the same way that if you eat foods that affect your digestive system in a negative way, that will affect your mediumship. But in terms of water becoming like a conduit to mediumship, as far as I know, that's not how water works. Let me have a look at the question just to make sure that and the yeah, the, the water and the the water helps the physical body. It doesn't, as far as I know, it doesn't have a direct connection with the perispirit as such, because the perispirit is composed of a slightly, it's, it's a different kind of substance. It is still material, but not in the same way that water or the physical body is. But you know, these are still questions that you know for for scientists and spiritualists and spiritists to continue to research. And I might be proved wrong, but as far as I know, there is no direct connection. Sue has mentioned another comment there. I think she was answering you when you mentioned about um, the higher self. She said, I meant that some people do not feel that they want to inhabit their human form fully because it is painful here upon the earth. Um. It is true. It is true that some people reject their present life and they they struggle with that. Um, I'm not sure how that connects with the concept of a higher self. I would say that both as a spiritist as a mental health worker, I would encourage again the person to see the benefits of overcoming those barriers. So, for example, if someone comes with a disability, some people are not able to walk, but that doesn't mean that they are not able to make an amazing contribution to society. Some people are not able to see with the physical eyes, but that doesn't mean that they are not able to live a very full and fulfilling life. So if we notice that someone is struggling with their present life and trying to escape it either by living in a world of fantasy or anxiety or the past or trying to be more spirit than physical we are incarnated for a purpose and we are incarnated for the purpose of learning and progressing so we need to make the most of this life because if we don't we will probably regret having missed the opportunity. I hope I answered the question. I'm not sure if I did. That's great. So, Tanya, thank you very much. I'm so 
pleased to have you here with us tonight. So just before I hand it over to Lawrence for the closure in prayer, uh, I just want to announce our next talk will be on the 7th of August. And the subject is going to be about mental forces. So um, for friends um, on the internet, um, the day to um, put down on your um, calendar is on the 7th of August, They're on the top of mental forces. We have some friends from America saying hello to you. Jasara uh, and um, say hello as well. <laughs> Vanessa. So our friends in America is watching us. So thanks, thanks for all of you being with us. And now I hand it over to Lawrence for the closing prayer. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you. Thank you. So again, once more, draw into that inner temple and commune with that divine within. Gracious and divine spirit, we give thanks for this evening, for the steps of advancement made, for the opening of doors to new thoughts and new realities, continuing along our pathway to develop that diamond within so that it may shine brightly to all those that we meet and be given out in love and compassion, but most of all, in service to those that we help along this pathway at this time of our lives. Amen. Thanks, Lawrence. So I would say then good night to everyone. Thanks for being with us, and I hope to see you all soon. Thank you. Bye.